right, fantasy players, welcome back, or welcome to the Reality of Fantasy podcast. I am your host, Jesse Cook, and I'm excited today. We're going to walk through uh, stacking in daily fantasy sports, uh, focusing on the NFL, and I'm going to provide my NFL Week 1 stacks that I am targeting. Uh, They're a little bit off the board, uh, considering Vegas totals, uh, which we'll get into. And then I'll also end the show with um, some running back and defensive pairings, uh, which can be very lucrative and correlative as well. Uh, And so we'll talk about that when we get to that segment. However, I want to open the show with a little bit of just a general sports rant. I'm a huge baseball fan. I love the Chicago Cubs. Um, And I've been frustrated with how Major League Baseball handles many of their issues. I can date back to the cork bat incident with Sammy Sosa. Uh, They called the the Cubs clubhouse ahead of time and told them they were coming many hours beforehand. And guess what? The Major League Baseball did not find any corked bats. And this is an example of just how they handle things very poorly. Um, They seem to be an organization that is very comfortable with players doing certain things that may be illegal or... um, detrimental to their health but beneficial to their on-field success as long as it doesn't draw negative attention to their product and once it does they then act like they are infallible that they didn't know about it the entire time uh, and throw their players under the bus that's been the way they've seemingly handled a lot of the steroid issues uh, the Pete Rose controversy over the years It's just a growing, frustrating trend. And where I'm getting to with this, uh, I guess, just general frustration uh, inventing is that Alex Rodriguez is literally a criminal. Based on what I know from anecdotes and uh, articles and the movie Screwball, This individual, allegedly, has participated directly in stealing stealing, uh, evidence in a federal investigation that was directly related to his um, steroid use in affiliation with, um, I forget his name off the top of my head, but the individual in Florida who was providing to all of the MLB players. And yet, MLB now has him every Sunday night as their showman, their color commentator for Sunday Night Baseball, as if nothing ever happened. And this is just regardless of the fact that this guy was one of the most prominent steroid users and likely benefited the most from steroid use. It's asinine to me. It's so frustrating. I'm all for redemption. 
But this is not a person who has done anything to merit redemption. This is a self-centered, egotistical brat, diva. He's always been that way. And yet the MLB has him in the limelight. Hmm. All right, now let's get on to some more fun stuff. So stacking is a very viable way to win daily fantasy tournaments. And if you're not familiar with daily fantasy sports, there are two main categorizations of contests you can enter. One is called cash games and one is called tournaments. When looking at cash games, you really don't often want to stack as much as you would in tournaments. Um, you want to distribute your players across many different teams when you're playing cash because that extends your probability of not having low-scoring outcomes if a particular team gets shut down, per se. Because um, there is variance in sports, and even when teams are in ultimate smash spots where they're projected to get put up 35 points, sometimes they don't. Just the nature of it. Sometimes, uh, you know, you're... New England Patriots are projected to put up 35 points against the Miami Dolphins, but the defense scores three touchdowns, and it's not Tom Brady and the running back. So in cash games, you want to go with very safe plays and distribute across many different teams. However, in tournaments, you want to take chances. And taking chances means that you want to maximize your upside by looking at teams that are in higher projected point totals and where you can monopolize uh, and capitalize on the majority of the team's productions and points in general. So when looking at those two dynamics, you can start thinking about stacking in two different fashions in my opinion. You can look at three player stacks, which are often quarterback, running back, wide receiver, quarterback, wide receiver, wide receiver, quarterback, running back, tight end, quarterback, wide receiver, tight end. Or, which I really like to do, the quarterback, running back, two-man stacks. You can also do quarterback and receiver. Those tend to be more popular than the quarterback, running back. And you can also do quarterback, tight end. But what I really like about the quarterback, running back stacks is that you can usually, or if when it hits, you can capitalize on all of the touchdowns on a team. You can think of Jared Goff and Todd Gurley when they were rolling a couple years back. Uh, you could literally get five touchdowns out of those players. Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara when they're at home. Those could be five touchdowns right there. And these are on offenses where the throwing touchdowns can be highly variable. It can go to, you know, they have, you know, Josh Hill or something coming off the bench uh, and playing tight end or whatever it may be for, for New Orleans. And when you are uncertain where the throwing touchdowns are coming from, I really like pairing the quarterback with the running back in that sense but we're getting a little ahead of ourselves one thing i will say is at times i have seen tournament winners have four players from the same team but this is not an approach that i often take uh only on small slates where i really consider it like showdowns or if you're doing a prime time slate where there's only two or three games but when you're looking at a large anywhere from five to nine games slate 12 games you're really four players from one team is most likely going to be suboptimal for maximizing your upside. So with all this in mind, let's look at some of the top offensive stacks for week one. 
one that jumps off the page for me, uh, and I have a little bit of mixed feelings on it just because they play at such a slow pace uh, and don't seem to really want to go for upside a lot. Um, but nevertheless, I can't really ignore the spot. Are the Detroit Lions going on the road to face the Arizona Cardinals? You have a healthy Matt Stafford. You have a running back who is a true bell cow and three down back when given the opportunity in Carryon Johnson. And you have a wide receiver in Kenny Galladay. And you have a banked up Marvin Jones wide receiver right now where if that injury lingers, we've seen in the past Kenny Galladay get 10 plus targets. You have a Cardinals team that's going to play at extremely fast pace and have extremely poor defense. I think the Lions can control this game which we'll talk about too when we get to running back and defensive stacks and i think you can really get about four or five touchdowns out of stafford carry on johnson and kenny galladay one thing that i also really like is patrick peterson is suspended for this game kenny galladay played against patrick peterson last year and didn't do very well but this year he gets to face the cardinals sans patrick peterson and in this sense I'm fully on board, and Vegas is too. They have the Lions at 25.5 projected points. It's a pretty good total. That's three and a half touchdowns, if you will. I think you can get four out of that stack, and I really like it. One other stack I really like, the Jacksonville Jaguars at home versus the Kansas City Chiefs. And when you look at their roster, you have Nick Foles at quarterback, who's consistently underrated and undervalued. You have a running back, True Bell Cow, and Leonard Fournette, who all reports say is going to catch the ball a little bit more this year. The wide receiver spot's a little bit murky for me. Uh, D.D. Westbrook would be my target, but he's a little banged up right now, uh, so it's unsure what's going on there. There's been some good reports and good preseason out of D.J. Shark, but you're just going to have to monitor that. And then there's a tight end punt that I really, really like in Jeff Swain. Um, so why do I like the Jaguars? They have a 24 point projected total and they're going to be playing against a Chiefs team that's going to put up points so they're likely going to be playing from behind and they're likely going to throw the ball although last I checked the spread in the game was only four points so people don't seem to be thinking that the Jaguars are going to get blown out here which means that their running back Leonard Fournette is still a viable option for me if this was on the road this would be an entirely different situation but I really like the idea of a Nick Foles, Leonard Fournette, and saving some money with Jeff Swaim at tight end and hoping for a four-reception, 50-yard touchdown game. Nick Foles loves his tight ends. Nick Foles also loves slot receivers. So if D.D. Westbrook is healthy, then I really love the Nick Foles, D.D. Jeff Swaim stack, the Nick Foles, Leonard Fournette, D.D. stack. You can run it in many different fashions and potentially get four to five touchdowns that way. We've seen Nick Foles put up five touchdowns on his own in a game. So, so far, I like the Lions and the Jaguars is stacking them up. I really like the Vikings week one. The Vikings are at home against the Falcons. They have an implied team total of 25.75 points currently. Quarterback Kirk Cousins looked really comfortable last year in this offense. Uh, running back Dalvin Cook is a full year removed from ACL injury and I, I think is just going to smash. He's also in an amazing spot against the Falcons defense, who we know just gives up passing volumes to the running backs. They have two premier tight or wide receivers in Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen, and a tight end in Kyle Rudolph, who's very viable and reliable. Now, this is one of the teams that I would not really go with any sort of 
three-player stack from. I don't know where the passing touchdowns are going to come from. And so I'm not that person who likes to just jam in many different variations of Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen and Kyle Rudolph. So this is a team where I would be inclined to use Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook together. And in that sense, I still think you can get five touchdowns out of this team. You can get two from Dalvin Cook. You can get three throwing from Kirk. That's a pretty good return on investment based on their salaries when I'm looking across them on sites. I think the Falcons will lose this game, but they'll at least keep it interesting, which will have Kirk Cousins throwing throughout the game. So although I'm not going to be actively targeting Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen because I think they cannibalize themselves a little bit and it's really hard to predict which will perform better, I really am highly on board with the Kirk Cousins-Dalvin Cook stack, especially since there's going to be a lot of dump-offs for Dalvin Cook, which could lead to the always fun quarterback, running back, uh, passing touchdown, which is great for tournaments and um, your success in general. I also really like the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers are at home taking on the Rams. Rams are a good team across the board, but they've been known to get in some shootouts before. The Panthers have kind of a low implied total for what I was expecting for how fast their team can play, and it's Cam at home. So they're only projected by 24 for 24 points uh, by Vegas at the moment, and I think that's a little low. I may be betting the over in this game, uh, just because I think the Rams will have to throw the ball a little more. Panthers are pretty stout on the ground uh, against the run uh, at home, especially. Uh, but looking at this Panthers team, you have Cam Newton at quarterback, always better home. Christian McCaffrey a pass catching back at running back, True Belkow, and two really talented receivers in DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. Uh, you also have an aging tight end in Greg Olson. Uh, but I'm not really targeting Greg Olson here. I'm more interested in those four main pieces. The challenge here is that you don't really know where the touchdowns are coming from for the receivers, but that may not be what you're trying to get out of them. On a site like DraftKings, where it's PPR, full point PPR, guys like DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel have much more value because they can pay off their 4 to 5.5K salaries with a game that's like 80 yards and 8, or uh, 8 receptions and 80 yards, which is very much in the range of outcomes against this Rams team. Uh, that's been known to give up big plays or big uh, stat lines to receivers. However, this is a team similar to the Vikings where I'm most interested in a Cam Christian McCaffrey stack. These two together, I think you get all of the Panthers offense. And honestly, they could win this game against the Rams. They could put up four to five touchdowns. It could be Cam and Christian alone. They could be two receiving touchdowns from Cam to Christian. It, it, I really like it. And I think it goes overlooked because people respect the Rams' uh, defense and they have a really a, a lower total than uh, some of the other teams on the board. Uh, so another stack that I like is the Buccaneers at home versus the 49ers. I don't think this is going to surprise anybody. So I may not go there in tournaments because I think it'll be pretty chalky. Um, I'm avoiding the running back situation in general because it's Peyton Barber and um, Ronald Jones, and we're not really sure what's going to happen. And Andre Ellington's there, who has a history with Bruce Arians, so we're not really sure what's going to happen there in the Buccaneers' backfield. But I really love quarterback Jameis Winston. I may be playing him, quote-unquote, naked, where he's just my quarterback, and we'll go from there. Uh, he has two really stud receivers in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and I'm extremely high on Chris Godwin this year, as is most people in the industry. And he has 
a very talented tight end in O.J. Howard, and still another awesome tight end in Cameron Bray. So the weapons are there for Jameis. You just don't know where the production is truly going to come from. And when I get those situations, as mentioned before, I'm more risk-aversive because I'm not jamming in 100 lineups. And I'm just going to go and play Jameis Winston here, but I don't fault you for stacking it up in other ways. Um, I think this game, I'm going to have less pieces than most. Other people are probably going to be looking at George Kittle and Dante Pettis from the other side and running it back. But for some reason, I have a suspicion this game goes under. Buccaneers defense played much better at home last year. Uh, and I just like the narrative of a like 24-13 to 13 game. Um, Jameis may be useful and throw for 300 yards and two touchdowns, three touchdowns, something like that. But I'm not looking for all the fantasy goodness here and the fact that it would probably be pretty chalky. Uh, I'm going to lay off it. But it is a team you can stack up, the Buccaneers, that is. I'm probably going full fade of the 49ers. Um, that may come back to bite me, but it is what it is. The last team on here is also going to be fairly chalky. Um, the Browns come in with an implied team total of 25.5 when they take on the Tennessee Titans at home. And there's three pieces I really like from this team. You have the quarterback, Baker Mayfield. You have the running back, Nick Chubb. And you have the wide receiver, Odell Beckham Jr., I have a full-on suspicion that they're going to be trying to get the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. in this first game. Tennessee's a really bad team. I think they will have control of this game, which means that Nick Chubb will have all the time he wants on the ground. Uh, I'm really high on the Browns this year. I think you can get four to five touchdowns out of those three players. Uh, I like the stack a lot. It's an expensive stack, but it is something to consider. I'm not that high on playing David Njoku. I think there's too many mouths to feed and much better tight end options like Evan Ingram. So I don't think it's an optimal way to build your lineup. So just to recap the stacks that I'm most interested in, the Lions, the Jaguars, the Vikings, the Panthers, the Buccaneers, and the Browns. Um, those players will make up a lot of my player pool, and I'll just kind of rotate uh, the wide receivers and running backs around my quarterbacks as well. Uh, so as we progress here and get closer to the season, I'll walk you through some of my DraftKings quarterback plays that I'll be playing naked, i.e. Lamar Jackson, some of the running backs that I'll be playing naked, i.e. Chris Carson, but we'll talk about that coming up here in a bit, and things of that nature, and then I'll make up my whole player pool that I'll just kind of cycle through. Now, another highly correlative play, similar to like a quarterback and wide receiver stack, where they're dependent upon each other in some capacity, uh, are the running back and defense stacks. Now, when defenses perform well, that often means that their team is winning, which tends to lead to the running back getting more volume than if they were playing from behind, unless, of course, it's a pass-catching back. However, we still want running backs on teams that are winning, and especially when they're at home. Those teams seem to be characteristics that align with fantasy goodness. So when I look at week one, the one that jumps off the page to me is Seattle home versus the absolutely atrocious Bengals. This is going to be a fan duel play for me because Chris Carson may not catch as many balls as we think, and Seattle wants to run the ball. But I see 20 to 25 touches for Chris Carson, anywhere from 100 to 150 yards, one to two touchdowns, and I see the Seattle defense that always plays better at home, giving Cincinnati a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. So Chris Carson with the Seattle Seahawks defense, the only thing that tempers my Hype and excitement is the fact that Rashad Penny will be there 
um, taking some touches away from Chris Carson, but it's not something that's going to deter me from wanting to play Chris Carson. Uh, As mentioned earlier, I really like the Vikings, uh, and I like Dalvin Cook with the Vikings defense. Now you're like, Jesse, the Falcons offense, they got Julio Jones, they got Devontae Freeman back, Matt Ryan's there, it's in a dome, I'm with you. But I just watched them in preseason, and their offensive line looked atrocious. So I don't know that this is one that I'm actually going to go to, but I wouldn't fault you to take Dalvin Cook with the Vikings. And it's definitely the Vikings defense is one that will not be played highly owned uh, because people do respect the Falcons offense, but that's an offense that's definitely much better at home. And if they have offensive line issues, that's what we're looking for. So Dalvin Cook with the Vikings defense for a low-owned running back defense stack. Um, this one I'm not that interested in, but it made my list just because of the news uh, going on with Andrew Luck. Uh, this is the Chargers home versus the Colts. The Colts' offensive line was actually one of the best last year in football. Uh, and so I'm not that excited in targeting defenses against them. Uh, but with that said, if Jacoby Verset is starting week one, I may have some interest in running some Austin Eckler or J- and Justin Jackson with the Chargers defense uh, lineups. I think I'd prefer Eckler just because he's a pass catcher, especially on the site like DK or DraftKings. But Justin Jackson would be a very, very, very inexpensive way to potentially get 10 to 15 carries uh, and a touchdown. This is all dependent on Melvin Gordon not getting signed. Um, but I think there's some value here given what we've seen or heard about Andrew Luck and the Melvin Gordon situation, but I don't think it's what I'm going to. I definitely like the Chris Carson with Seattle one much, much, much more. Uh, As mentioned earlier, I think the Browns are going to throttle the Titans. Uh, This just means Nick Chubb and the Browns all day, every day. Their defense has looked good in the preseason. I think the Browns are a sneaky Super Bowl contender. Uh, I'm all in. I'm all in. So Nick Chubb and the Browns, lock it in. Uh, this one is is a little bit interesting for me, mainly because I hate Adam Gase. Uh, that's a growing trend in the industry. Uh, but the Jets playing at home versus the Bills, hard to ignore. Uh, I do think the Bills are a pretty solid team. Um, but Josh Allen has been known to yeah, toss the ball up, maybe give, give it up on the ground a little bit here or there too. Uh, and when that happens, that obviously is good news for the defense. Uh, you have Le'Veon Bell. I, I As much as I hate Adam Gase and his inability to correctly utilize his players i just cannot see a scenario where they don't give the ball to Le'Veon bell as much as he wants especially early on because you're just asking for controversy and that's the worst thing you want i think the jets have something to prove they're a much better team at home last year i think this team can take the next step forward they have some nice pieces around sam darnold i think sam darnold's maturing i'm very high in him i think the jets control this game so Le'Veon with the jets defense is a nice way to I, think, I don't think it'll be that highly owned, uh, and, it, and it's definitely one that uh, could pay dividends for sure. Now, this is one where it goes against our home running back philosophy, but I'll explain why I like it uh, as we get to it. Uh, so this is the Lions defense versus the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals may have the worst offensive line in football. The Raiders just throttled them in preseason and made their air raid attack look extremely fallible. Uh, yes, it's preseason, but it's the Oakland Raiders, and that was at home for the Cardinals. The Detroit Lions defensive line is nothing, nothing to mess around with. They are intense, they are fierce, they are big, and they will get after the quarterback. 
when you see these lopsided defensive offensive line matchups, which you can get from fantasy or from football outsiders information there, uh, they do great work. Uh, that's a telltale sign for fantasy goodness because the quarterback's going to be under duress the whole game, uh, and that leads to sacks, fumbles, hurries, which leads to interceptions, bad throws, all sorts of things. And since we already addressed that we like Kerryon Johnson because the Arizona Cardinals' run defense as porous as can be, why not stack him up with the Lions? I don't think many people are going to go there just because the Cardinals' offense has some hype around it with this air raid, Kyler Murray. I think you'll see more attention there. Uh, but I think you'll see some sharp players taking uh, carry on with the Lions. So to recap, I'm really interested in Seattle uh, with Chris Carson. I'm really interested in the Browns with Nick Chubb. I'm really interested in the Lions with Carryon Johnson. I'm less interested but still interested in the Vikings with Dalvin Cook and the Jets with Le'Veon Bell. And mm, mm, I guess they made the list. Uh, the Chargers with Austin Eckler or Justin Jackson, depending on the site you're on and how many points are given for uh, reception. And this is all pending Melvin Gordon not playing there. Now my fade, my absolute fade. Are you ready for this? Running backs plus defenses that I think will be actually pretty highly owned. The most expensive one on the board. They're a pretty good defense. The Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens go on the road to play the Miami Dolphins. And on paper, this looks like an absolute smash spot for Mark Ingram and the defense. And I agree. There's a lot to like there. Baltimore wants to run the ball a lot. Miami was the worst, if not one of the worst, teams against the run last year. But they have something that I just don't ever want to bet against. And that is this player, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick, if he starts, has magic. Fitzmagic is a god. There are things in this universe we cannot explain, and one of them is Ryan Fitzpatrick's success. He absolutely just blows apart guaranteed scenarios. So when Vegas has Baltimore favored as they do and projected as much as they do, I really like Lamar Jackson. I am there. But there's a scenario that plays out where Ryan Fitzpatrick comes out and throws two touchdowns in the first six minutes of the game, right? Miami gets the ball. He hits Preston Williams for like an 80-yard touchdown. Miami somehow stops Baltimore. Ryan Fitzpatrick comes out, leads another drive for a touchdown, and it's 14-0. And Baltimore's not a great catch-up team, and Mark Ingram's not the running back you want back there playing catch-up. So I just don't think since ownership, since ownership is likely to be very high on Baltimore and Mark Ingram, given those two factors earlier mentioned about how bad the Dolphins are and um, against the run and, and how the offense doesn't look so great, I like... The Jets a little, or uh, the Dolphins here a little bit. And depending on where that line finishes up, I may take their side or tease it a little bit because uh, it seems like a little fun play there. Uh, playing at home, new coach, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Did I mention Ryan Fitzpatrick? Things can go right. Uh, so again, really high on Seattle, really high on the Browns. Uh, they, should, they should be able to handle their opponents easily. Uh, I like the Vikings to put up a lot of points this week because of a favorable matchup and a team that could keep them having to throw the ball the entire game in the Falcons. Uh, and I'm less high on Baltimore than most people will be, but I still like Lamar Jackson a lot as a DFS play, just naked as can be. Um, and so that will conclude 
my rundown of week one daily fantasy stacks. In the upcoming episodes, I'm going to look at DraftKings and FanDuel pricing specifically and give you some plays at each tier level as well as some sleepers who can go off. Uh, As I like to do, I'm going to provide you with a beer of the podcast. Uh, I'm in Madison, Wisconsin, and beer is a hobby of mine. Uh, So I often find myself drinking some amazing beers. Uh, And yesterday... I made my first trip over to uh, Delta Beer Lab. It's relatively new. Uh, It opened up in February 2019. And I had heard good things from some other brewmasters that I frequently get to hang out with at locations such as Parched Eagle and Carbon Fort. Shout out to Robert. And he was like, eh, the beer's not yet there, but the ambiance is really cool. They have a nice vibe. And I must say, as a scientist, I love the layout. It was phenomenal. Uh, They really, really catered to a laboratory setting. Super cool. Their samples in like five ounce pours were in little beakers. It was very awesome. Uh, But I had their what is known as the BRN.01, as in brown.01, which was their coffee-infused brown ale. This was 6.5%. It was $7.50 for a pint, although... I have bike benefits, which gives me $2 off at Delta Lab, so it's $5.50. They actually bake tips into their price, so that's why it seems a little bit inflated, but it really is a $4.50 beer if you think about it, if you're tipping a dollar there. Uh, And if you do tip at all outside of that, then it goes to charity, which is a really cool concept that I really liked. But as far as the beer, I would agree with Robert's take. It was good, but not great. There are still some things they need to work out in their formula. Uh, but I really liked the taste. The Brown Point Zero One is a coffee-infused brown ale, uh, and I was a huge fan. Those are those are beers that I really like. I'm a dark beer connoisseur, uh, and I highly recommend it. They also had about four or five different IPAs on the board and a porter that I did have that I did not very much like. I thought their porter was extremely weak. It had like a sour taste to it, which is very strange. Um, but I will be going back there probably more on the weekends because it's easier for me to bike there than it is during the week when rush hour makes me jeopardize my life having to cross a certain street. Uh, But that'll conclude today featuring Delta Beer Lab's Brown Point Zero One uh, as the beer of the podcast. Uh, Again, my name is Jesse Cook. This is the reality of fantasy. Thank you for tuning in and stop by again. Bye-bye.